Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of This Week in Doom, featuring my co-host and the biggest little chicken in the farmyard, Doomberg, and a very special guest, Rory Johnston. The goal of This Week in Doom is to help you, the audience, discover a series of unknown contributors who are, in Doomberg's words, criminally underfollowed. This is the first in a series of conversations with people who have an area of focus that we both believe warrants a much, much bigger audience. This week, Rory joins us to talk about his particular field of expertise, the oil and gas sector. And as you'll discover, not only is there plenty more to this space than you might think, but Rory has both a wealth of knowledge to share and the ability to communicate that knowledge in a very effective way. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, and this brand new series, This Week in Doom, featuring everybody's favorite green chicken, Doomberg, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show, and if you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Rory, welcome to the podcast. You are the first guest we've had join us on This Week in Doom. We're delighted to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it, it's a big honor to, uh, to be the first guest. Well, we'll just see about that. That's up to, that's up to how the, the chicken and I take this thing forward. But we're, we're, as I say, we're delighted to have you. But for a lot of people out there, and this is one of the big things that we're going to try and do with this podcast, is introduce people that, that frankly have a, a smaller audience than they perhaps deserve. And so um, we thought this would be a great chance to, to showcase your work, to have a little discussion with you, talk about what makes you tick. And, and I guess the first part of that for the people who are going to be new to your work is to, is to give them your background, let them know um, how you ended up where you are and doing what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's great. So uh, my name is Rory Johnston. My former life, I spent the, the bulk of my career to date at uh, Scotiabank, where I was a commodity economist. Before that, I did a little bit of the international economic side. Uh, but that involved coming up with price forecasts, uh, communicating the bank's views on everything from, I like to say, crude, copper and canola. Uh, so everything right through the, the commodity space. Um, and I was a bit different than the kind of a commodity strategist or, you know, investment banker or, or what have you, um, where, you know, my, I, my focus wasn't entirely institutional. It was some of that, uh, but it was also media. It was internal audiences. It was educational. Uh, so my goal uh, in a lot of what I do is to try and decompose and break down really complicated but really important sectors, you know, most most notably the oil industry, into things that people can understand and, and find tangible. Uh, so after about six going on seven years at Scotia, I, I left um, at the beginning of 2020. I joined a small family office and was doing a little bit of that when the pandemic uh, struck. 
that obviously threw everything and all of my plans into topsy-turvy. Uh, we had our first son around uh, the beginning of 2020. And then uh, I've actually, we just had our second son uh, this past Boxing Day. So we, we thought we were having, uh, we joked about having pandemic kind of bookend babies and Omicron kind of seems right. to have ruined, ruined that, uh, that nicety. Um, well, that's, a, that's a, if I may interrupt, that's a terrible name for a child. Did you really call your <laughs> yeah. thankfully, thankfully no <laughs> and uh rory let let me interrupt you and to uh inform our our listeners who don't happen to live in canada and rory welcome to the show great to have you that boxing day is actually the day after christmas oh i always forget that that's not a like commonly no, i'm a brit so i just thing. i just let it go you're right dude. Oh, okay that's fair yeah <laughs> uh, december 26th um so yeah, and basically, so uh, over the course of the pandemic, commodity markets obviously went completely berserk. Uh, you know, every you know, it started with lumber. You know, we saw copper reach all time highs. Obviously, crude oil has been on a you know historic collapse and then historic rally. And my phone kept ringing off the hook from a lot of my previous media contacts, and I didn't want to sound like a moron, so I kept researching uh, commodities, even though that wasn't kind of what I was doing day to day at that stage. And after a long time of that, after a couple months of that, basically, I was like, why am I not writing any of this down? I used to really enjoy writing. Uh, so then I, then I started uh, the Commodity Context Substack. Uh, so that's commoditycontext.substack.com. Uh, and the goal there is to provide kind of bank economics-esque research to a much broader audience and trying to plug what I see as a bit of a market gap of kind of serious... Uh, kind of somber but fun-ish research in like important areas like the oil market, uh, but for people that don't have tens of thousands of dollars for a research budget. So that's what I'm trying to do now, and that's where increasingly more and more of my time's going. Now, congratulations on the Substack, Rory. And um, as you know, I'm a big fan of your work, and we've cited some of your research in some of our own pieces. I wonder if maybe we should begin by giving us your overall thoughts on something that we've written about and I know that you've written about and, and many of our listeners would be very interested in, which is sort of the overall state of the oil market today. As we sit here, oil is trading a little above $92 US for WTI off the back of what appears to be some de-escalation in Ukraine. Now, what are your thoughts on the overall market? Um, we're obviously uh, over on the Doomberg team, pretty bullish on the, the medium-term outlook. Uh, what do you see going on and what's on the top of your radar? Yeah, so I think, um, as as you correctly pointed out, the the price right now, I mean, it's been up and down like a yo-yo every time there's been a de-escalation or re-escalation headline. So we're definitely very much in that cycle of geopolitical premium kind of coming and going. But obviously, that's that's a relatively recent development for the oil market, whereas the majority of the past year and a half has been pretty much a, you know, a singular, you know, straight line, you know, up and to the right for crude. And I think what's happening there is, is the oil markets experience, I mean, all commodity markets, but the oil market, because it's biggest, uh, experienced disruptions and kind of shocks like it's never experienced in history. 2020 saw the largest ever supply surpluses that, you know, absolutely crushed prompt prices, you know, swelled inventories, pushed prices to their first, you know, uh, prompt or front month futures to their first negative settlement in history. So obviously, you know, it, it was just extreme. I think that's how I would describe it. And the oil market had been kind of 
more it would be it kind of been trending towards a bit of a slow moving train wreck for the better part you know post 2014 forward it kind of lurched and and lumbered and tried to find its way but it kind of kept falling back and the crux of why was that we found ourselves in this you know US shale vortex really where you know you know someone else other than me coined the term you know the shale band but the idea was basically that anytime crude dropped below $40 WTI you know shale would turn off and the market would balance and then anytime it jumped above $60 it would you know shale would come on voraciously and crash the market uh, naturally it never worked as nicely as that because you had periods where the prices ran really high really fast 2018 is a great example on the back of, you know, the the Trump administration's Iran sanctions head fake. You saw, you know, prices reach almost as high as they reach now for for Brent uh, in the end of the 80s. And and that basically prompted a massive wave of, of, of U.S. production growth in the, in the range of one and a half to two million barrels a day, which is just, you know, just put that in perspective for, for listeners, you know, on a good kind of normal year for oil demand growth, you're growing at one and a half million barrels a day globally. So when U.S. shale grows at two million barrels all by itself, that means that the rest of the market needs to cut back in order for balance. And of course, that doesn't happen. And prices just absolutely crater. And that's what we saw at the end of 2018. And we saw that to you know an extreme extent during COVID as you know negative prices and, and, and you know doom and gloom across the board really forced a lot of producers to ratchet back their production. And in the US shale patch, what we've seen is even, even with a bit of growth off the bottom of 2020 into 2021, we're still about one and a half million barrels a day below the all-time high crude production that was reached before COVID hit, which is about 13 million. Uh, and now we're at just give or take 11 and a half. Going forward, I think, you know, there's a bunch of things, obviously, that, you know, the oil market is extraordinarily expansive and complex. And we can talk about, you know, any any corner of it. I think we will. But I think the single most important forecast variable is the assumed price sensitivity of U.S. shale going forward, because we have basically two worlds we can live in. And I haven't decided which one we're going to be in yet, because I don't think the market's decided which which uh, which world we're going to be in. Uh, one world is a world of low shale growth, which is kind of in the range of, you know, even with high prices, maybe 300 to 500,000 barrels a day of growth. Uh, whereas in a high shale growth, you see back to that kind of 1 million plus growth capacity. In that high growth environment, you know, I think I think the one thing that COVID shock did across the board was it more or less erased the ultimate downside of a U.S. shale patch that's going to take on debt to bury itself. I think that is mostly behind us now. Uh, but, you know, you could still have a scenario where you kind of, you know, U.S. shale can grow at one, one and a half million barrels a day if prices are high enough. But I just think that shale band probably has shifted maybe from 40 to 60 up towards, you know, 60 to 80. And I think that is, you know, and I think in all likelihood, the most likely scenario going forward, if we were looking at kind of modal possibilities. But there's another scenario, I think this low shale growth environment, you know, that 300 to 500,000 barrel a day range growth, where prices can reach up above $100 a barrel, and U.S. shale is just not going to grow that fast. And that puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the global supply chain, uh, the rest of global crude producers, to fill that gap. And that's, you know, millions and millions and millions of barrels a day over a five-year period. And there's not that many areas that that 
kind of production can come from anymore. You know, the, the you know, it's just not oil really isn't a growth business like it used to be. So you're looking at, you know, I, I'm in Canada, so there's some growth potential in the Canadian oil sands. Uh, there's a new prospect in, in, in Guyana that's, I think, going to add some Brazilian pre-salts, which is kind of ultra deep sea uh, Brazilian uh, production exploration. I think that has some potential, but that's disappointed chronically before. And then beyond that, it's basically shale and OPEC. Uh, OPEC mostly tapped out at this stage already. Uh, we have, I think we're going to get that hit. The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.